are here today with um, Aldermanic candidate, Mr. Uh, Alan Imhoff. Um, I guess just um, you're running for alderman on the Republican ticket, but um, can you first of all just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, just first of all, good day it. to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit about myself uh, briefly uh, would be that I've lived in the city of Frederick for 33 years. And uh, during that whole time, I've been very active in the community in a number of different respects uh, during that whole time, mostly in nonprofit and volunteer work, occasionally appointed or elected uh, offices. And I, um, right now, I'm uh, entering my 18th year of teaching at Frederick Community College. Uh, after retirement from AT&T of 32 years working for them. Uh, So it's been a very uh, interesting transition into retirement that hasn't turned out to be retirement. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that standpoint, um, being very community-oriented throughout almost all my life, um, I've decided to run for, come out of semi-retirement, if you will, politically, uh, to enter this race specifically uh, because of some things that I saw that um, didn't fit my personal philosophy of how a political race should be run. And when it was 10 aldermen cond- uh, candidates on one side and only one on the other, I said, it, that's just not right. Mm-hmm. And so I filed literally at the last minute, um, never having expected to do this again. Uh, but I'm glad I did, and uh, I intend to win. Sticking to the personal stuff for just a minute, um, what do you teach at FCC? Oh, that's a secret. No, um, <laughs> I teach uh, information systems and technology and occasionally understanding business uh, to our first-year students. Okay. And what um, community organizations are you involved in? You mentioned that as oh, well. Oh, you don't want to listen to the list. Um, <laughs> uh, b- basically, um, I'm in my third uh, appointment to the uh, Frederick City uh, Planning Commission, having served from 1998 to 2003 as the vice chairman, uh, 2005 to 2008 as the aldermanic representative, and now as the um, alternate uh, member of the commission. That's the biggest one. Uh, At a state level, I've been serving for, I believe it's 12 years now, on the Maryland Military Installation Council, uh, appointed by the Speaker of the House back then uh, to serve. Is this the organization that considers um, BRAC, BRAC uh, per, base realignment a, by the federal government? Yes. Back okay. in 2004, the state was concerned uh, about what could happen uh, with BRAC, especially loss of jobs. And fortunately, Maryland um, came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a lot of coordinated effort and did extremely well in bringing jobs, both military and contractual uh, jobs, to the state of Maryland, far exceeding our expectations. First of all, uh, I'm going to start out with a question about um, elections. Um, it's a historically low voter turnout. I think last in the primary was 13%. Correct. Um, it's not great. Um, there's been talk about possibly moving um, the city election to a gubernatorial presidential year. Um, would you support that change? I would support a change. 
what is the correct change would need to be determined by everybody involved, which includes the political parties as well as the voters and the administration of uh, the city at the time that that change is proposed. Uh, I have advocated a change because of the continuing decrease in municipal election participation, not only in Frederick City, but in other locations. One of the ideas is to make it an open primary uh, where uh, not only do the parties run, but those that aren't registered with a party can also vote by declaring the day that they come in to vote. The other thing that may or may not affect a turnout is moving it to a different cycle, either the gubernatorial cycle or the presidential cycle. Personally, I prefer the presidential cycle because that's the highest percentage turnout that you see. Uh, I've been a uh, chief judge for the uh, Board of Elections for the county for over 25 years, and this is what I've personally observed. And what I would say is that there's the potential in a presidential uh, race to attract more people to vote. Whether it will or not depends on the candidates and the parties of getting that vote out for the municipal election. And would you support um, making the municipal race nonpartisan? Oh, yes. And, and the reason is, uh, for me, um, there's 157 municipalities in the state of Maryland, of which only three have partisan elections. Mm. And by partisan elections, you basically eliminate uh, folks who are aligned with governmental jobs being prohibited from participating in, in running. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other 154 uh, allow for um, nonpartisan elections and therefore governmental workers, which are a large proportion of uh, percentage-wise of the employment base in the state of Maryland, especially around here too, uh, to be able to participate in those elections. Mm -hmm. um, you are running on the Republican ticket. Are you Correct. a member of the party? And, and what does that mean to you? Am I a, a member of the party? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not a, I do not pay dues at this point in time. <laughs> I, I was mm -hmm. up until the Thursday before the final deadline unaffiliated. Mm, okay. Uh, because after the last election, um, I decided to retire from active politics. And so I reverted back to um, unaffiliated, independent as some people know it, uh, because of uh, my role as a chief judge in elections for the county. It allows me to go anywhere uh, to be a chief judge mm -hmm. and not restricted by the uh, two-party uh, rule. Mm -hmm. You also ran as a Democrat for Correct. mayor in oh, yeah. 2001. Oh, yeah, that was 16 years ago. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it really was. I had two worthy opponents, uh, Jennifer Darty and Mita Nash. And um, unfortunately for me, um, in June of that year, after I had said I was going to run, I underwent some rather extensive cancer treatment mm -hmm. in Baltimore. So it sort of curtailed some of my initial uh, campaigning uh, and uh, I had two worthy opponents and we all sort of uh, gathered around the same voter base so mm -hmm. um, you know it was a good race um, 
and uh, I'm not disappointed with what happened. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you have a clean bill of health now? I'm sorry? It looks like you're doing well health-wise now? Oh, yes. Thank, thank. I, I'm not cancer-free, mm-hmm. uh, but it's what they call controlled. Okay. I will never get rid of it. Yeah. So I'm sorry but, to hear that. Uh, I've, d- I've been, you know, I'm 20 year cancer survivor, so I'm happy. Right. Every day is a good day. <laughs> um, on to the next uh, another question, changing the subject. Um, <laughs> funding for uh, city transportation projects is always a huge issue. Transportation mm-hmm. gets a lot of city money. Um, if you're elected to the board, what transportation priorities would be at the top of your list? I, I, I think the. For me, and the one that uh, the city has the most control over are the access to, uh, access and exits from state and county roads. Mm -hmm. So improving our internal network to be able to access the federal, state, and county networks uh, needs to be really looked at and improved where needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did that with Thomas Johnson Drive when I was in office before. We got the state to understand that even though they were replacing the bridge over 15 at Modder Avenue, uh, Thomas Johnson Drive and Opossum Town Pike really needed uh, assistance, and they worked with us to get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And um, I want to... We'll change the subject again. <laughs> Jump around a little bit. You, you, can, um, ch- you can change every, every with every question. I don't, I don't mind. Um, the proposed downtown hotel and conference center is yes. a huge thing. It's a big academic project. Um, it's gaining some leeway finally with uh, the first design that was unveiled and the HPC um, approving dem- demolition of the Byerly Tannery. Um, are you in favor of the city remaining a funding partner for the hotel? Yes, Um, and the reason being the city has not had a full-service hotel um, since um, the uh, Francis Scott Key Hotel at uh, Court Street and West Patrick Street. Um, You mean downtown, just to... (laughs) In downtown, oh yes. There's a lot around downtown and there's a few on the outskirts of the city, uh, one just not far from here. Mm And uh, so that's not a problem. The problem is um, in dealing with uh, a vibrant city that we do have that's nationally recognized for being unique in a lot of respects um, is people want to get downtown and visit it. And over the years um, of my traveling, that's one of the things that I did. Um, And... And in full disclosure, Marriott Corporation was my customer back in the early 80s, mm-hmm. and I supported their hotel system, among other things. And so I learned how uh, hotels operate in a downtown area. And generally speaking, you want to have more than one hotel uh, convenient so that people have a choice. And it's also helpful to have a hotel that has some meeting space. Now, people often get confused, I think, with the conference center. Mm-hmm. And it's really a need for good, large meeting space in the downtown area for um, specific conferences that might come in that aren't large enough for the big places around the country. I belong to a couple uh, organizations that 
would have a couple hundred people come for a conference once a year, and we rotated around the country. And we never went to a big hotel, except on rare occasion. occasion. And uh, I think that's what uh, this hotel uh, will fill the need for a medium-sized, a small-sized type group of several hundred people coming into town for two or three days, uh, attending their conference or meeting or whatever it is, but more importantly, getting out and seeing what this historic, nationally recognized city has to offer within walking distance, a key thing, uh, because many people do not come in uh, on a bus or something like that. They either drive in or are brought in by uh, cab. Mm -hmm. What do you think needs to happen with that project moving forward? I, I cover the General Assembly, so there's a huge push every year to get funding for it, and then we kind of just wait nine months, and then there's a huge push to keep the funding for it. Well, most governments take their time to make decisions, mm -hmm. and sometimes that can be very frustrating in the private world. And um, once you understand that you're dealing with a multi-year process with most any governmental entity, I handled the federal government uh, at AT&T as well, and that was a normal three-year process. So you just got used to it. Um, but uh, not only businesses, but um, our citizens want to see stuff happen quickly. And at any governmental uh, level, that just does not happen for your major projects. So it's a matter of education to the public, a matter of education to business owners who may want to locate here or expand here, that it'll take a while to get through the process, mm -hmm. both financially and planning. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with the speed at which it's moving? or um... I, I'm, I'm comfortable with the way it's moving. I'm comfortable with the design. Like I said, Marriott was a customer of mine for seven years at AT&T. Um, it's a first-class project, product, um, and I, th I think it will bring a lot here. It will also bring some challenges mm -hmm. with regards to traffic at certain times when they have a big event. But like anything else, that can be handled if enough notification is given and working with the city agencies necessary to make it flow better in handling that traffic. I mean, we, we handle... Uh, what, 50,000 people for in the streets, 75,000 mm -hmm. people. And we really don't worry about parking all that much. We know they're going to come. We don't know where they all park, uh, <laughs> but they still keep coming for 30 years. So um, it's a one-time deal uh, on a large event uh, can be handled. The day-to-day -day stuff, it's like anything new. You'll get used to it in time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like it, if you're a re city resident and you don't like getting together with that mob on North Market Street uh, for in the streets, you don't go. <laughs> the West Side Regional Park, um, it has been a large discussion <laughs> since 2009 when the city uh, purchased the Hargett Farm property. Mm -hmm. um, a task force was appointed this year to discuss development of the park. Um, money was set aside in the budget to pay for infrastructure. So it's coming to fruition finally, it looks like. Um, mm -hmm. but. First of all, are you in favor of developing that land as a park? Because yes. not everybody is. So. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, period. Okay. <laughs> um, and the reason is I was on the board that approved that purchase. Mm -hmm. I did not necessarily like the price we paid for it, but I am a planner that looks long-term. 
and by long term I'm talking 30 to 50 years. And one of the biggest things in planning for most of your infrastructure is getting the property now for what you may need 10, 20, 30, 50 years out. And the opportunity came uh, to get that property to not build an awful lot of houses up there and turn it into a regional park that was identified as a county regional park back in the 1980s. When we bought it, we did not anticipate ever really fully developing it within probably 10 to 20 years. What it was was determining what we needed and then developing a long-range plan to incrementally grow that park into what it could be Uh, because we just don't have the money to develop it within a I'll say five to ten year period with some of the uses that were talked about then back Mm -hmm. in 2008 and 9. What kind of things would you like to see in the park? Oh for me personally a great big swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Whether it's indoor or outdoors I I really don't care but one of the things that I've um, and again in full disclosure I had a daughter that went to Frederick High that swam for them all for her for that school for four years and then went on to swim for her college. Um, and one of the things I observed during that process was the equality the students could have in learning a sport that was mostly um, an individual sport but occasionally a team sport, and everybody could succeed without a lot of cost or injuries. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a great way to get students to learn how to swim mm-hmm. and then have a sport to excel in. And I see the loss of school swimming pools as a detriment to that program because there's only a couple of swimming pools left in the public school system mm-hmm. in the county. Mm-hmm. And the pool there would alleviate the need for the school system uh, to put in a, a large pool. You talked about planning space for you know, 10, 20, multiple decades down the line. Um, what do you think the city needs to be looking at now for 20, 25, 30 years ahead? When we have flying cars coming around. Um, <laughs> and, and you laugh. Um, in my classes, that's what I teach is what is the future impact going to be? And one of the things that is being developed and is in the experimental stage right now are flying cars. Mm-hmm. And the design for buildings are that you would have your parking pad on the fourth floor of a multi-story building. You wouldn't need all that ground space for parking, or you wouldn't need garages for parking. So if I think about the past, you're always going to replicate the good and the bad of what was done in the past. Whereas if looking towards the future, you can say, how can I line up uh, what you want to do with the technologies that are affecting us today, and more importantly, the technologies that will affect not only living, but working in the future. I wanted to bring up a couple of new sets of statistics. So. Love statistics. Oh, great. Okay. So the U.S. Census Bureau released uh, new data that shows that the average, um, the median household income in Frederick County is about $90,000. 
and that is substantially higher than the state of Maryland. Um, it's about $12,000 a year higher than the state average. Um, but the United Way also came out with a report that said, you know, one in three families in the county can't afford the basic cost of living here. Mm -hmm. um, how do you square those numbers? Do you think that there's an income equality in our area? And what policies, you know, might address that? Wow, that's a big one. Uh, pure and simple, uh, because it's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the pure statistics could be, can be misleading um, to some degree. Um, the ninety thousand uh, dollar average. Um, it's more online with Loudoun County, which has been our peer county in, in Virginia to compare ourselves with. <clears throat> Excuse me with the rate of growth and, and um, the types of jobs that these people are, are doing. And most of those people go down the road to D.C. where the wages are definitely higher. Mm -hmm. And they come up here because it's a, allegedly a lower cost of living. Now, if you've been on 70 west of Hagerstown every day, and especially on a Friday, you'll notice there's an awful lot of cars going even further west than Hagerstown, mm -hmm. going up 15 into Pennsylvania, and they are commuting back and forth to D.C. So that's one element that how do you address that? Can you get enough jobs here to keep that level of income and that interest of those people here? while at the same time saying, okay, what have we done to give um, the other side, the, the unfortunate downside of that good picture uh, to those who are less fortunate in finding the job? And what's scary to me is uh, this movement towards a mandatory uh, minimum wage that's fairly substantial in entry-level jobs, going to the $15 and up range. In teaching this at school, where I weave my business side with my technology side, it's already happening in your fast food, your uh, service industries like lawn care, uh, paving, concrete work, things of this nature where things are now being done not by people but by mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Or you're being replaced by technology for instance in a fast food place in some of them you won't even see anybody at the counter anymore because it's like a sheets operation where you go in and you type in at a, at a terminal what you want and the food comes out and you're good to go and you've paid for it already and you just pick it up I show one uh, YouTube video of a restaurant out in San Francisco uh, where you don't see anybody and mm -hmm. your food is delivered behind a screen, and your name pops up on the screen. You hit the screen. It opens up like the old automat of yesteryear. Mm -hmm. You grab your bowl of whatever it is that you ordered, and you leave. You never see a person. Mm -hmm. And do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? It's, it's good in that um, it gives you more opportunity to do more things faster. Mm-hmm without the cost and that's the business side the social side is we're losing interaction with people mm -hmm. all you have to do is look at somebody walking down the street nine times out of ten they're looking down and they're texting mm -hmm. i always enjoy that <laughs> uh, but okay so that's the way of the world today that's the way it looks 
like it may go in the future. So what can we do to take those individuals who don't have the advantage of that technology, who do not have the training necessary to ratchet up from a basic service job to one that involves a little bit more involvement with technology? Mm -hmm. And I see the future being one where you're always going to be learning to stay abreast of that new technology so don't, you don't lose your job. Mm-hmm. What, what policy could address that at the city level, if any? I mean, well, you could say it's... We, we have uh, workforce development mm-hmm. uh, is now located on uh, Monroe Avenue along with Frederick Community Colleges uh, where we teach certain trades and things of that nature. And one of the trends that has started and is becoming more evident is you don't have to go to school for a four-year job to get a good job. You can go to um, an environment where you've got workforce services that can help you prepare a resume, can take mock interviews, can uh, learn how to search the web for a job, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time that you might be going with FCC to learn a trade in HVAC, uh, um, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, Mm -hmm. Um, and other such trades, electricity, um, uh, um, all that kind of stuff can be done. And you get your certificates or you get your certifications for a particular type of job, and you can earn some very good money substantially above that minimum wage level, mm-hmm. like plumbers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I see, I don't see robots taking over plumbing, fixing plumbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, move on. Um, the Board of Aldermen is currently uh, discussing options for the new, um, a new $17.2 million police headquarters. Um, I know that they need more space for the police department. It's pretty, they're pretty cramped and it's kind of a mess there. But um, there are several potential locations they were su- that were suggested, including Trinity School, Miss Anner Farm, and there were several others. Um, what are your thoughts on the new headquarters? Do you think they need a headquarters that big? Like, where would you like to see it? Um, I don't know how long this discussion's been going on through how many boards <laughs> yeah. and mayors. <laughs> I know we had it when we were there. We were looking at the Allegheny Power uh, location mm-hmm. on East Street, East Patrick Street, um, as well as several other locations. We bought a farm that is astride Christopher's, when it's built, Christopher's Crossing west of 15, Mm -hmm. uh, which we designated all the property for institutional use, whether it was for the city or the county or the schools. Is that the Santa Santa Farm? That's the Santa Farm, yes. I just wanted to Yeah, thank you for putting it in context. (laughs) You know, and um, because, you know, those are the things, again, I get back to the planning for the future getting the land now that you might need ten, you know I've, I've been out of office for almost 10 years mm-hmm. okay and they're just now and we bought it when i was in office so now's the time when they're thinking about using parts of it for various uh activities and uses so um where to put it um one of the things that we were looking at uh, when I was in office is not necessarily a, a new headquarters, massive headquarters located downtown. Uh, what we were looking at was a newer headquarters that could uh, address the changes in technology that they need to perform their services and possibly one or two 
if, if you will, substations in areas that are not readily accessible from dispatch of a centralized location. For instance, the west side and the north side, which is the, where the majority of our future growth is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had looked at the old state police barracks when it became available as one of those stations because it already had a, a small garage uh, to repair stuff and a fueling station there. Mm-hmm. So that could cover the whole west side um, of 15 a lot easier than dispatching from downtown where they currently are or any other place that we might go to. Mm. And the county does that with fire stations, uh, with a couple of them, not all of them, but they have the substation. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes you want to uh, look at co-locating. Uh, we had the opportunity as a city to co-locate out by the airport uh, with the county sheriff's department and the Maryland State Police. But for whatever sets of reasons, the, the administration at that time decided not to. Um so there might be other opportunities to combine a police station with uh, maybe some of these um, services that we use to help the people that are at the lower end of the spectrum for the future and have a one-stop shop for them outside of downtown, again, west or north, depending upon how the demographics shake out. Mm-hmm. Now that we have all these malls that are losing tenants, <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you follow the national trend, the malls aren't going to be coming back anytime soon, or even some of the strip uh, commercial centers uh, that might give us an opportunity to repurpose those with through rezoning that it will allow us to use part of the parking lots that are never used anymore with uh, community services, mm-hmm. such as the police and other things. Mm-hmm. Were you in favor of co-locating with the Sheriff's Department and State Police? Was that during your administration? No, it was prior to my administration. Um, In some respects, it made sense from a coordination standpoint, and and this was all before Mm 9-1-1. And I served on the local emergency planning committee for seven years after 9-11. And that's one of the things you were looking at is uh, speed of response by all responders to a catastrophic event, whether it was a plane crash or a terrorist attack or a major fire or mm-hmm. something. Um, and so it, it has pluses and minuses, and, you know, it, it depends on the people making the decision at the time which way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, before we let you go, uh, could you list uh, the three biggest policy issues or changes that you'd like to see um, in the next four years if you're elected? Three. Three, yeah. Um, (laughs) One of the things I advocated when I uh, took office um, back in 2005 was reducing the property tax rate every year that you could. Uh, For most people who don't understand the process, that's the only thing the city has to do to, quote, lower taxes, Mm -hmm. unquote. The state sets the assessment, and then we assign a rate to that, whether it's a dollar, a dollar twenty-five, two dollars, whatever it's going to be. And by looking at the projections for the next few years of growth of that assessment base, because when the state does it, it does it over a three-year period that it's phased in. You know you're going to get an a, a minimal increase. Mm-hmm. Then as valuations of housing and businesses go up, it goes up even faster. 
which is what we experienced in the late 90s, early 2000s, only to come crashing down Mm -hmm. in 2005 through 2007. So we were able, I uh, originally tried to get four cents per hundred off the first year I was in office, and it took me over a year to convince the other aldermen that you could do it. And then for the next two years, we took two cents off each year. And by the fourth year, um, the uh, reading the tea leaves was not good, and we knew we couldn't do it that last year. Mm-hmm. Do you support always reducing to the constant yield or below, or just reducing generally, um, well, I, even perhaps above the constant yield? Above so the, the constant yield. Okay. Because constant yield is basically uh, the cost of living. Right. And then what happened in uh, our last year of office, the cost of living went negative for the first time in, I don't know, 50, 60 years or something. And pension plans got affected mm-hmm. for benefits for our uh, retired employees. And it was a Donnybrook. And if memory serves me correct, which is not good at this stage, um, we were able to hold their benefits the same, but we couldn't increase them. Mm, okay. Um, your second issue, I, I, I threw okay. a question there. Sorry, I, oh, darn, I'm, I was trying to get <laughs> trying to get out of the second issue here. Um, I would say the second issue has to do with planning for the future. As I've stated a couple of times already, I'm a uh, not by training, uh, but by inclination. I learned this the hard way over f- 35 years of doing it. Um, is looking out uh, as much as you can to the future. I mean, we're still working on plans that were first initiated for water and sewer 60 years ago by the county. We are still working on plans uh, instituted by the State Department of Highways that was 70 years ago um, and haven't all been built. So, I mean, you can do some relatively basic engineering of where things might go. That might not be a final alignment of those things, but it gives you a long-term perspective to build things. So a longer planning time frame that incorporates what's happening today. And what, you know, as another simple example, are millennials buying cars as many as the previous generation? And the answer is no. So is that going to be a long-term effect where the number of cars starts to drop and Uber and Uber-like services starts to rise and we might not need as much parking downtown we might not need the road capacity to widen and widen and widen so um, that would be the second area Mm -hmm. and then the third area uh, would be to get back to how do you get people in the city of frederick interested in local government because this is the government which they have the most input into and can see the results the quickest. Yes, they vote in state elections. Yes, they vote in congressional and national elections. But how much real input do they have on a daily basis? Here you can connect to your elected officials by just walking to City Hall, calling into City Hall, emailing into, probably texting, (laughs) and any other type of thing, where you can communicate right away. And that's the biggest benefit I see to living in a municipality, is having that ready access to your elected officials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where can people go to learn more about your campaign? Do you have an email address they could reach you at, a website? Um, um, I'm using my personal email address. 
mm-hmm. which is A E M Hoff, I M H O F all, at Verizon.net. Okay. And, and the reason for that is um, it's a personal communication between whoever who wants to contact me and me. Mm-hmm. I will not compile a broadcast list. I will not sell it to anybody else. I will not give it to anybody else. This is a personal thing for me mm-hmm. between me and the voter. And, I mean, do you anticipate in the past have you gotten voters asking you things through your email and connecting with oh, voters well, that way? you got to remember back in the day, <laughs> well, yeah, email wasn't that popular. Uh, <laughs> that since that time, you know, and that has morphed into texting. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and the main reason is you're limited to the amount of characters you could send in any one message. Mm-hmm. And you lose a little bit of the um, nuance of reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, what did that person really mean? Especially <laughs> when my students still pretend they're texting uh, while they're writing a paper in Word <laughs> documents and forgetting to capitalize I and, yeah. and, and certain other things. But I think by personalizing it to my email, and if, if, if they want to go the old way of snail mail, it's my personal address mm-hmm. at where I live. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, and uh, that's 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 available through the city uh, website for uh, how they list me on the, mm-hmm. uh, as a candidate. Okay, and there yep. w- will be a website coming out uh, that the Republican Party is putting together right now. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for coming in and talking to us. We appreciate it. Oh, it's been mm-hmm. a pleasure, and thank you. And uh, you all have a great day. All right. You too.